Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 196 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm not with Ayaz Sumra this week. He has gone missing. I'm not quite sure where he is. All I do know is that he's not in the country. That is all I know. He's not in the UK. I don't know when he's going to be back. I don't know where he's gone. I don't know when he went. I just know he's not in the UK. I couldn't reach him. This is what he does periodically. If you've been listening for a long time, he just disappears. He just gets on a plane and he just goes. He just goes somewhere and he just returns back and he just pops up and goes, hey, I'm back. I don't know where he's gone. If you do know, let me know because it's, it's, it's completely a mystery for me. Uh, we must crack on with the show. We we uh, we don't pass up a week with, without doing a show for you. Um I will just start with a with a question, actually, to win a Box Hard Podcast t-shirt. The new t-shirts are very different from the old ones. The old ones were quite plain, but also quite smart for a for a boxing t-shirt. You know, a lot of people liked those ones. Uh, but the new ones have obviously got the big logo on the front. They've got on the back Box Hard Podcast, all that. So they're pretty flashy. They're pretty nice. I really like them. I've just ordered a whole new batch in. So we've got some to give away. Uh, any size, I think, from small to double XL, so there is a few competitions coming up. But let's start with this competition here, and this is a question that I want. Uh, I want people to find pretty difficult. We don't want to be giving the the t-shirts away too easily. So I'm going to give you this question here. Uh, the the first person, the first person to come in with the answer gets the t-shirt in whichever size they want. Uh, the question is, which current boxing world champion right now he's a reigning world champion right now which current boxing world champion is trained by a guy and that guy fought in his pro career fought butterbean that is the question let me make that a little bit more simple which world champion right now their trainer fought butterbean when they when they were pro boxing themselves that's the question so good luck with that one there um yeah, let's start with the review part of the show. I've been rambling on a little bit there. Uh, let's start here with, this was last Thursday, the 11th of July. It was obviously the Matchroom Italy card in Lazio in the Stadio Nicola Pitriangeli, I think it said. Apparently it was named after a tennis player or something. I'm not big on the tennis, so forgive me if I'm making a hash of that name there. Um, I think it was actually on a tennis court, but they'd they'd uh, br- brought a boxing ring to it. It was, it was a pretty, well, I mean, the venue... I don't know. It didn't look that great on TV. Didn't really look that big. But anyway, they are just still getting started out there in in the Matrim Italy uh, environment. Um, on the bill, there was supposed to be Fabio Turchi against Tommy McCarthy. That didn't happen. Turchi pulled out late notice. Not quite sure why. In stepped Francesco Cataldo, 7-5. and five. He actually uh, was stopped after two rounds. He didn't want to come out for round three. So a retirement win there for Tommy McCarthy. Now 14-2. and two. 
Um, there was a guy on the bill that, that has now moved to 38-0 with one draw. But these Italians just love things with P. They love pastas, pizzas, and padded records. That's what they love out there. Topping the bill, though, the more important fight, Emanuele Blandamora, former opponent of Billy Joe Saunders, 29-3 uh, going into the fight. It was for the vacant WBC International Silver Middleweight title. He took on Marcus Morrison, our very own. Um... Obviously, Morrison trained by Joe Gallagher, 20 and 3 going in. Not very impressive. He's lost a couple of fights against guys he really shouldn't have lost to if he was going to go places. So, a lot of people written him off before this fight. He was actually losing the fight, I believe, on all three judges' scorecards. Even the commentary team said he was losing that fight, Marcus Morrison. And he came from behind to score a ninth round knockout in a scheduled 10. So, an absolutely huge win for him that's the best win of his career and you know he was brought in to that fight to lose to the Italian to get a British name on his resume and it's all gone horribly wrong for Blandamora who's not a fantastic fighter but he he kind of hangs around that fringe European level so it's it's the biggest win by far of Morrison's career it it doesn't even come close to to the other wins this is this is on another level so I'm really pleased for him because now he'll probably get a top 15 ranking with a WBC funny enough and and, um, you know, credit to him. Credit to him. We like to see the Brits do well. Credit to him. Moving out now to the Edion Arena in Osaka, Japan. We've got over here Rob Brandt, 25-1. It was a rematch uh, against Ryota Murata, the, the 2012 gold medalist, 14-2 and two going in. Obviously, coming off that loss to Brandt in the first fight where Brandt was able to outpoint Murata quite comfortably, to be honest. Um... I think that fight was in America, so this one here was in Japan, Rob Brandt had to travel, I think there was also an, a rule perhaps where drug testing was in play for this one, but it wasn't for the last one, and the result dramatically changed the other way around, it was a TKO in the second round for Morata, so he regains his world title from Brandt, and the fight couldn't have gone much different from the first one, so a lot of people now saying, "Oh, is Brandt on the juice? I wouldn't want to throw those accusations out there, but, um, you know, it's just a thing, it's just a fact that I'm bringing up, it's a little bit of information, that is the case, this this time around there was drug testing and the result completely changed, so I'm not saying anything, uh, but some people are, um, but yeah, I like Rob Brandt, so, uh, you know, I think there's, there's a rematch clause actually for him as well, so we may see the third fight between them, and it's all back-to-back -back rematches, so... Yeah, I don't mind seeing that one there, but Ryota Murata for now, the uh, the new WBA world middleweight champion. I think that's the second reign, or is it the third reign? I'm confused. He keeps winning it, and then losing it, and then having a rematch and winning it back. So, quite confusing. Also on that bill, though, Ken Shiro moved to 16-0. and It was a defense of his WBC world light flyweight title against Jonathan Taconin, 28-3 and with one draw. It was a fourth-round TKO for Shiro, so like I say, he's now 16-0. and Moving out now to the King Abdullah Sports City in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Obviously, this card um, happened on the on the Friday night, wasn't it? It was on the Friday night. Um, what a bizarre, bizarre card this was. I mean, we said it last week. Firstly, Michael Hennessy Jr., the son of Mick Hennessy, he was 1-0 going in. He actually scored a... Well, I'm not sure you'd say scored. He got served up a majority draw over four rounds against a guy who was making his debut, Farhad Hazratzada. 
I don't think we'll see a rematch between those two, to be honest. I don't know if you'll be able to get Farhad Hazratzadar to leave Jeddah. Um, it was his first fight, though. Like I say, I'd, I'd probably doubt he had tons of amateur experience. I think Mick Hennessy Jr. actually did have quite a good amateur career. So a big, big um, blip there for him. Um, perhaps a rematch can happen if they decide to go back out there again like we're being led to believe perhaps Khan will go back out there so maybe they can get the rematch on because he needs to right that wrong there Michael Hennessy Jr. he looked pretty good in his debut but yeah to get a draw in just your second fight not a good start there at all but I didn't see the fight to be honest so I don't know if if he was lucky to get the draw he should have lost he should have won it was a bad card it was in favor of the home fighter not the promoter's fighter, I don't know. Uh, also on the bill, we saw Huey Fury move to 23-2. and two. It was a TKO in the seventh round against former WBC heavyweight world champion Samuel Peter, now 38-8. and eight. Um, Very bizarre fight. I mean, we're never going to forget how bizarre this fight is. Huey Fury, I expected to probably get Peter out of there within about two rounds, three tops. Um, obviously the hashtag was Fury Peter, but I really liked the hashtag the other way around, Peter Fury, it would have been quite confusing, um, thankfully things weren't confusing in the fight, it was one-sided, uh, the tactics were a little bit confusing from Sam Peter, he seemed to just, I don't know, if he had a bet on himself to get disqualified or something, he was trying to get disqualified, he was hitting after the break, he was hitting, uh, Huey Fury in the nuts, he was punching in the back of the head, he really showed some dirty tactics, and early on, I felt like Huey Fury was giving him way too much respect, it's, it's like he didn't want to get hit, he was trying to stay out of the way of the power shots, I mean, I know that Samuel Peter can punch and stuff like that, but he was just giving him too much respect, really, Huey, and, um, you know, he, he made it a little bit ugly, to be honest, because he didn't want to trade at all. He was just kind of boxing and moving all the time. And you've got to say, because of this, because it went to the seventh round, it wasn't impressive. A lot of people are looking at that now saying, boy, oh boy, Dubois beats him, Joyce beats him, Dave Allen beats him, I've even seen. So, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Huey Fury, not that impressive, but we are we are big fans of Huey Fury. He's a lovely guy. I really do love uh, Huey Fury. I'll tell you a quick story about Huey Fury. Uh, one time back in the day, it was on the undercard of um, of Tyson Fury, Derek Chisora 2, and Eddie Chambers, friend of the show, good friend of mine, one of the one of my best friends in, in, in the world, actually. He was fighting on the undercard, and I walked him to the ring. I was in the dressing room and stuff like that. And just before I walked him to the ring, they were all in the dressing room, and I didn't really want to go in there. I didn't want to, you know, start distracting him and stuff. I'm not part of his training team. I'm just his friend. And I was hanging outside the door of the changing room. So it's on a big, long corridor. I'm standing outside the door, and... Um, and they're all inside, and then Huey Fury hadn't yet arrived, so I think he's walking down the corridor about 15 minutes before the fight, something like that, and he sees me outside the door, and he says to me, Joey, what are you doing outside? And I said, oh, I don't want to go in there and, you know, get in the way and stuff like that, and he goes, shut up, and he just opened the door and literally flung me in, you know, like, he's a cool guy, man, I love Huey Fury for that, and uh, I was there, I got to see everything happening, and it is really insightful when you see the things that go into, you know, into a pro fight 
um, especially in the heavyweight division, right before you, you're going to walk the things that's being said and stuff like that. It's, it's very insightful. But yeah, also on the bill, Prince Patel, 19-1 and one with one draw. He managed to lose his his very carefully padded record, actually. It was, for the, it was for the vacant IBO world bantamweight title in the other corner, Michelle Banquez, now 19-1. and one. I did say Banquez had fought a bunch of nobodies, just like Patel had, and they both had similar records. They both had boxed really bad opponents, but Banquez really didn't let Prince Patel really get into the fight. Uh, Prince Patel showed some decent head movement, some decent defense when he wanted to, but he did he did nothing offensively, and he pretty much lost every single round. Um, Banquez didn't slow down at all. Uh, the body shots that he threw in were quite lethal on Patel. I actually give Patel credit because he showed that he's really got some heart and he showed some real grit and toughness that we wasn't sure he had. So, you know, I think he's improved since he boxed over in the UK last. But um, obviously he wasn't good enough and, you know, uh, it went the way that a lot of people thought it would go. Also on the bill, Amir Khan now 34-5 and five in his 39th pro contest. It was for the vacant WBC international welterweight title. I think they binned off this pearl title because of all the all the criticism that they were getting about it. But Billy Dib now 45-6. and six. It was his 51st fight. He was TKO'd in the fourth round. Like I say, we do love Billy Dib. He's a great guy. He's got a very emotional story and all the rest of it. Um, he was down in the second round. He kind of just got caught coming in. He was trying to throw a left hook of his own, and he got caught by Khan's left hook. Um, Khan obviously had the more leverage on it. He threw it, you know, from the from further away, more power on it. And, you know, Billy Dib just walked into it, really. Uh, Billy Dib did take his time. He got back up. You know, he seemed okay when he got back up, actually. And I won't say it was competitive, but he didn't disgrace himself, Billy Dib. And I spoke to him the following day, and it's not like he took a beating or anything. Do you know what I mean? So... I mean, it was kind of like an easy kind of payday for him, really. The towel came in in the fourth round when he got... Was it... I think he got dropped again. Again, it wasn't a heavy, heavy, heavy knockdown. He didn't take a beating. And, um, you know, he's probably going to retire, I'd imagine, straight after that. I don't see the point in continuing. He's not going to get paid like that again. Um, He's had quite the story, though, like I say. Uh, leaving that one there, moving out now to the Olympia in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. This one over here, an MTK Global show. I didn't watch any of it, so I'm just going to quickly fly through this with the results. Sammy Maxwell now 12-0, and a knockout in the second round against Oscar Amador. Um, Amador was also down in the first. Uh, Natasha Jonas picked up a TKO in the fourth round against Beck Connolly, who's now 2-6, and six, but Natasha is now 8-1. and one. Also, Terry Flanagan, former WBO world champion, now 34-2, and two, a knockout in the fifth round against Jonas Segu. Segu was also down in the first. Um... Jazza Dickens, 27-3 and three now. It was a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Nathaniel May, 21-2 and two now. It was for the vacant IBF European featherweight title. May was down once in the fourth and once in the fifth. But like I say, he bravely got back up. He continued and he lasted the full 10. So credit to him. Jazza Dickens, a friend of the show though. So I'm pleased for him. And also Martin Murray picked up win number 38. It was... Uh, it was a points win over 10 rounds. He's got the five losses, I should mention, and the one draw. And it was against Rui Pavanito, who's now 10-9 and nine with one draw. He's a lot better than his record suggests. He's a tough guy. I remember he boxed Craig Richards on the uh, on the Buglioni ricky Summers undercard a couple years back. And we were talking about this fight because I went to Nando's with Craig on Monday. And we were discussing, like I said, oh, I bet you didn't realize that 
your your guy, the Portuguese guy, Pavanito fought Martin Murray on the weekend, and he didn't know. And we were talking about that. He was a he was a much better fighter than than he looked on paper, and he gave Craig a tough fight that night. Uh, moving out now to the Emerald Queen Casino, a venue that I want to see boxing at a lot more. Um, one fight really to mention over here, friend of the show, Eric Hunter, 21-4. and four. Obviously, he's the guy that boxed Lee Selby for Lee Selby's world title. Uh, that, was on, that, was, that was on the AJ Martin undercard all those years back. He hasn't boxed since then. Well, he has now. He's been out of the ring, like I say, for three years and four months. And he returned against German Meraz. And Meraz actually suffered a cut from an accidental headbutt, but thankfully for Eric Hunter, it went down as a technical decision rather than a no contest, because knowing his luck, it'd go down as a no contest. He's had a few um, disqualifications and stuff like that. He's he's always involved in controversial fights. Even that Lee Selby fight was a bit weird. He had points, took off, he dropped Selby. There's always drama with Eric Hunter, but it's good to see him back in the ring. Um, like I say, a, a real good talent, but... He's one of those guys that you feel could end up being a waste of talent. He's now 32 years of age. And like I say, the first fight there in in three years and three months. Um, it's three years and three months since that Selby fight. He won every round and uh, and then he got it, a technical decision. And German Moraz had 62 wins, 56 losses. He's one of those guys, well-seasoned. Um, but yeah, good to see Eric Hunter back. Very good fighter. Uh... Also, we should move over now to... Which card are we going to go to? We're going to go to France here at the Azor Arena. Um, two Olympians, two medalists, actually. Salomon Sissoko, I think he was a bronze medalist, 9-0. and Well, he's actually now 10-0. and It was a fifth-round KO against Jose Paz, who's now 23-10 and with one draw. And more importantly, I suppose, Tony Yoka now 6-0, and a knockout in the third round against Alexander Dimitrenko, 41-6. and Very much past his best, to be honest with you there. And moving out now to the O2 Arena in Greenwich, London, United Kingdom. Um, Let's start here with the undercard, I think. We're going to start here with... Uh, Willie Hutchinson, friend of the show, now 9-0. and oh, It was a points win over 6 against Josip Perkovic. I feel like I've said his name so many times, Perkovic. He's certainly a name I've said a few times. He's only had like 15 fights, or now 16. Um, so he must just be boxing in Britain quite often. 5-10 and 10 now with one draw, Perkovic. Also on the bill, Hamza Shiraz. He got another first-round TKO. He had his man down prior to the stoppage. His man was Scott James, now 4-6 and six with one draw. Hamza Shiraz, a real good fighter, 9-0. and oh. Also on the bill, Sonny Edwards, 12-0 and oh now. It was a unanimous decision over 10 rounds for the vacant IBF International Super Flyweight title against Hiram Gallardo, who's now 12-3 and three with two draws. Gallardo was down in the second round. It was a bit of a... Um, well, it's a bit of a lucky, I don't want to say lucky, fortunate knockdown is, is the right thing to say. I don't think it should have been a knockdown, but it didn't really matter, to be honest. When when the referee scored it, I thought, it's not going to make any difference to the scorecards. It's not like it's going to be a close fight. If he knocks him out, he knocks him out. Do you know what I mean? Like, Sonny Edwards is, is such a good fighter. Um, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be a close fight. So having that round of 10-8 made absolutely no difference at the time at all. Uh, also on the bill, Archie Sharp. We will be speaking to him later on in the show. He moved to 16-0. and 0. Um, 
It was a defense of his WBO European Super Featherweight title against Jordan McCory, 18 and 6 now with one draw McCory. He was down in the third round. Obviously, he's boxed the likes of Ronnie Clark and Sam Bowen, so it's it's a bit of a kind of measuring stick there kind of fight for Archie Sharp. Um, it was a brilliant left hook to the body, by the way, that put McCory down, and that is arguably Archie Sharp's money shot. That left hook to the body is such a such a brilliant shot. He's had a few guys down um, with that same shot, and credit, like I say, to McCory for getting up and, and surviving the distance, actually. Uh, also on the bill, we got to see Liam Williams move to 21-2 and two with one draw. It was a knockout in the second round against Karim Achor, who's now 27-6 and six with three draws. Achor was down twice in that second round um, and it was for the vacant WBC silver middleweight title. Liam Williams, I have to say this, that was the statement of the night. Possibly even the weekend. I mean, to knock this guy out in two rounds is such a statement. Ashore had never been stopped before. He'd been the distance with the likes of David Lemieux. He couldn't put he couldn't put him away. Um, I don't even think he knocked him down actually, Lemieux. And Lemieux came in overweight. It was for a couple of you know, regional belts and stuff like that. And he came in overweight, so he probably didn't kill himself or anything to, you know, he didn't deplete himself, I should say, to to try and make the way evil Lemieux. So you'd probably have to say, you know, he was a little bit more comfortable than what we usually see him at. And he wasn't able to put uh, to put Achor down, certainly not get him out of there. Um, he's, he'd also been the distance with Martin Murray, Achor. Uh, that was back in 2012. So yeah, you know, he's, he's boxed with a few decent guys and no one's ever been able to get him out of there. So credit there to Liam Williams. He just looks phenomenal. And he, I said it early on, but he, I believe is a guy that if he doesn't win a world title, then he will be a little bit of a waste of potential, to be honest, because I think he's so he's so good. He's a destined world champion. And I've spoke to a few people in Wales, and they say he's got a big, he's got the biggest fan base of any Welsh fighter. Bigger than Cordina, bigger than Selby, or, or either of the Selby brothers. He's the guy. So it'd be good to see him, perhaps headlines in Wales or something like that. If Frank Warren wants to go over there, he's got a brilliant, brilliant future, Liam Williams. I really believe in, in him. Uh, also on the bill, Daniel Dubois, now 12-0. and it was a KO in the fifth round against Nathan Gorman. Nathan Gorman now uh, 16-1. and one. It was for the vacant British heavyweight title. Gorman was knocked down in the third round, and uh, he was knocked out in the fifth. Um, again, I went with Dubois to win this one. I spoke to a few people in the in the build-up to the fight, on fight week, stuff like that, and I was surprised how many people were actually picking Gorman to win. And some people were saying by stoppage, some people were saying on points. I all along thought that Dubois was going to just be too big and too strong for him. And it turned out to be that way. He completely dominated Daniel Dubois. And uh, he just, he didn't give away a second, really, in, in, in any of the uh, of the rounds. He was in charge for the whole thing. Uh, when Gorman got put down, he got back up. Obviously, this was in the third round. He got back up and he fought fire with fire. And he didn't really land with anything, but he fought like a complete man possessed. And Daniel Dewar actually kind of thought, whoa, I'm not going to get involved with that. And I think he probably learned from that Richard Larty fight. And he thought, I'm not going to trade recklessly here like I have done before. Because uh, Gorman in that, in, that, in that stage of the fight was just throwing haymakers. And thankfully, he calmed himself down. You know, he got back to his boxing a little bit. Didn't throw too many jabs, though. 
that's his problem. And uh, when it when he come out in that fifth round, you know, he, he, he got caught again too many times clean and the referee did the right thing there. So, yeah, good win there for Dubois, but it's one I saw coming, so I gained the point there on the Prediction League. The, the finishing punch from Dubois, actually, I remember now, it was a it was a lovely double jab right hand finish. And the referee, like I say, did probably do the right thing. Like I say, quite a one-sided fight there. Uh, talking of the Prediction League, the Prediction League we shall visit right now. I went with a Khan knockout. So did you guys. So did Ayaz. So that's a point for each of us there. Uh, I went with Dubois by knockout. Ayaz went with Dubois points. And you, the listeners, went with Gorman points. So one point for me there. And then we all went with Joyce to win by knockout. He had the 100% knockout ratio going into the fight. But it was taken away by Brian B.Y. Jennings, the UK killer. The so-called UK killer. Uh, Joe Joyce now 10-0. and 0. It was a unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Bryant Jennings. Bryant Jennings now 24-4. and 4. Uh, To be completely honest, I was a bit bored during that fight there. Um, you know, there was a tricky first round for, for Joe Joyce in the beginning. Uh, Jennings, you know, he seemed to start quite well. He hit Joe with a body shot that I think hurt him quite bad. But then... As the rounds went on, it was just repetitive. It was Joe Joyce, Joe Joyce, Joe Joyce, in my opinion. I know a lot of Americans had it quite close. I didn't see it a close fight. We knew that Jennings was a tough guy. Um, we didn't think he'd go the distance, but he did. So credit to him for becoming the only guy to take Joyce the distance. And credit to Joyce for not really slowing down uh, with his punch output, to be honest. He, uh, he really is a juggernaut. He, he kept up the, the punch volume. and Perhaps it slowed a little bit, but it wasn't... He wasn't, you know, he didn't dramatically slow down. He was still throwing shots. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he's going to be a real hard style to beat. And I think he's shown quite a good chin. So if you can't put him away, he's going to be a hard guy to outbox. He's a little bit like Amir Khan in the sense, pause, 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 in the sense that Amir Khan's hard to outbox because he throws a million shots, so you've got to knock him out. And that's why Amir Khan doesn't really lose on points. He shouldn't have lost to Lamont Peterson. That's the only fight he lost on points. So he shouldn't have lost that fight. It was only because he had two points took off for joke, joke, joke uh, reasons, which is when he pushed Lamont, which is just a joke. But anyway, uh, is that every fight on the card there? I think it probably is. We've done Joyce. Yep, that is every fight on the card yes moving out now to the dignity health sports park in carson california usa a couple fights to mention over here the big upset diego de la hoya he was 21 and oh he was knocked out in the sixth round against ronnie rios the underdog for sure 31 and three now rios it was for the nabf super bantamweight title and the vacant wba gold super bantamweight title again another belt that we don't know uh, too much about how much value does it hold i don't know uh Delahoya was down in that sixth round and he couldn't continue so a big big upset there for ronnie rios credit to him and also topping the bill ray vargas 34 and 0 now it was a defense of his wbc world super bantamweight title against tomoki kamida kamida had only been beaten by jamie mcdonald in his two defeats he'd only lost to one man well now uh, ray vargas has joined that that list of that very short list of people that's beat him and obviously Ray Vargas 
uh, once upon a time beat Gavin McDonnell. So, uh, yeah, a good win for Vargas. He extends his fantastic win streak, really. 12-round unanimous decision. Kamida actually had one point deducted for hitting on the break in round 12. Kamida now 36-3. and three. Uh, Moving out now to the Minneapolis Armory in Minnesota, USA. Um, one or, well, a couple fights actually to mention. Firstly, the, the Russell brothers. Let's start with Gary Antoine Russell, now 10-0. and 0. It was a knockout in the third round against Larry Ventus, who's now 9-14 and 14 with one draw. Ventus was down three times in that fight. That guy there, Gary Antoine Russell, he's the big puncher, I think, of the uh, of the brothers. He's He seems to have some real dynamite in his fists. Uh, Gary Antonio Russell picked up a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. He's now 15-0. and 0. It was against Francisco Pedroza, now 13-9 and 9 with two draws. Charles Martin, the former IBF heavyweight world champion. Uh, we mentioned him earlier on in the show. 27-2 and 2 with one draw now. It was a fourth round TKO against Daniel Martz, who's now 18-7 and 7 with one draw. Uh, Martz was down twice in the fourth round. That was where the the, the TKO came. Also on the bill, Jamal James picked up a win, a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against Antonio DeMarco, who's now 33-8 and eight with one draw. Way past his best now, DeMarco, you'd feel. Jamal James, 26-1. and one. And we will be speaking to him later on. Gerald Washington, 20 wins now with three losses and one draw. It was a knockout in the eighth round against Robert Hellenius. It was a real uh, 50-50 kind of fight. Some people were saying that Hellenius was probably winning it, and and Gerald Washington managed to get the knockout in the eighth round of a scheduled 10. So credit to Washington for, you know, for still having the uh, the fitness, I suppose, to find a big shot like that late on in a fight. Uh, Robert Hellenius, 28-3. and three. So a big win for Washington, arguably the biggest win of his career in the most important period of his career. He really needed to win, in my opinion. It's kind of a must-win fight for him there. And the final card at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, USA, um, three fights to mention. Firstly, Vijender Singh. He returned to action. He's been out the ring, I think, for about two years or something like that. He come back with a fourth-round TKO against Mike Snyder, who's now 13-6 and six with three draws. Vijender Singh, 11-0. and 0. Uh, Shakur Stevenson, friend of the show, now 12-0. It was for the WBO NABO featherweight title. He took on Alberto Guevara. Obviously, that was a... Uh, I don't want to say last-minute opponent change. Well, I suppose it kind of was. He only had a couple of weeks, didn't he, Guevara? Um, he only went three rounds. He got KO'd there. Guevara now 20, uh, 27 and 5. Um, I will just say about Guevara, this is another statement for Shakur Stevenson. I've said before, I do want to see him stepped up because he wants these world title fights and we are not yet seeing them or really anyone that close to that level. But Guevara is a guy... Um, who's usually quite durable. I mean, you know, he got in there with Hugo Ruiz, and he can really punch. He, he didn't, he, you know, he didn't get him out of there. He went the distance, uh, Hugo Ruiz, with Guevara. And also, Guevara obviously lost to Emmanuel Rodriguez, very good fighter. Um, you know, he didn't get him out of there. He took on Yamanaka. Yamanaka got him out in nine rounds. Fair enough. Obviously, Yamanaka, a fantastic fighter. And uh, he went the distance with Leo Santa Cruz. So for, sh- for young Shakur Stevenson to, to get him out in three rounds... 
That is a mega statement. It just goes to show he is surely going to be a world champion unless something goes incredibly wrong. And topping the bill, I think it topped the bill. Could have been the chief support, probably was the chief support. But anyway, another friend of the show, Joshua Greer Jr., now 21-1 with one draw. It wasn't easy. It was a majority decision over 12 rounds against Nikolai Potapov, who's now 20-2 with one draw. Both men had identical records going in, 20-1 with one draw. And it was for the vacant W. WBO, NABO, bantamweight title. Um, yeah, so Joshua Greer Jr., again, another guy with you know, with aspirations of becoming a world champion. He wants to be that. Everyone wants to be that. But he's a good fighter. He's got a lot about him. He wasn't able to get the knockout on this occasion, and it was a little bit too close for comfort. So he needs to kind of just brush up on a few things and come back. He's a smart, smart guy. And he's a guy, actually, by the way, Joshua Greer, that, um, that will accept... He's the kind of guy, he'll accept constructive criticism. If people tell him to do this, to do that, he'll listen. He's a guy that listens. He doesn't think he knows best and he knows so much about this and so much about that. He's an open-minded guy and you need that kind of attitude in boxing and he's got that, believe you me. Uh, That is everything though for the review part of the show. Sorry it's dragged on, it's just been... It's just been incredible. Imagine Ayaz was here to say his little bit as well. It would have probably gone on for over an hour. But that is everything. Just before we wrap up part one, the last thing to do is to welcome our very first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning WBO European Super Featherweight Champion. It is, of course, Mr. Archie Sharp. Archie, welcome back on the show. Thanks for having me back on, mate. No problem, Arch. No problem. So we last spoke back in May, not too long ago. It was just after your win uh, over Sergio Gonzalez. Obviously, that fight was a measuring stick kind of fight because he went the distance with Woodstock. You managed to get him out of there in two. And then, of course, your last fight, which happened on Saturday, was another measuring stick kind of fight in the eyes of the public. And I'll explain why in just a second. But uh, firstly, Arch, how did you assess your performance Saturday night? Yeah, do you know what? I thought the performance was, uh, went well. Um, it was nice to be back into championship sort of fights. Um, unfortunately, my hands swelled up after a couple of rounds, um, but that was just another little obstacle that we just had to get through. And like I say, was, yeah, I thought it was a good performance in the end. And as I say, it was a measuring stick kind of fight in the eye in the eye of the fans because your opponent Jordan McCory had fought two other top British fighters in Ronnie Clark and perhaps more importantly. Uh, Sam Bowen, the reigning British champion. They were both able to stop him, Arch. Uh, you were able to put him down, obviously, in, in the third round, but you were unable to finish him. He took you the 10. From your own point of view, Arch, were you disappointed to not get him out of there at all? No, because the thing is, if you watch the Sam Bowen fight, he won a lot of rounds against Sam Bowen um, before the stoppage. Uh, so that wasn't, for me, it was just more about um, getting through, winning every single round. Uh, clearly, and I, I reckon I, I haven't watched the whole fight back from what everyone's saying is at least had, had me winning by seven to maybe eight rounds of the fight. So in that way, I think I've done a better job than the others. I know they stopped him, but and, all, and also to give the man his due, even uh, Jordan Macquarie said to me in the ring there that night, he said, actually, you hit a lot harder than Sam Bowen. He said, uh, he said, i tell you what it was. He said, when he boxed Sambo, and it was at very late notice, he said, I hardly trained for the fight. He said, I, they, they, they give it to me at late notice. I took the fight. He said, after the Sambo fight, he said, I knew Frank was having a, a show at the O2 on this date. He said, so I made sure I was in the gym ever since that Sambo fight. So he, I, I, I fought a stronger and fitter Jordan McCory that night than what he boxed in Leicester. Wow, wow. 
Well, that is interesting. Um, obviously, the shot that you put him down with, Arch, was a left hook to the body. You've managed to put a few people down with that same exact shot. It really is one of your best offensive weapons. Um, yeah. Of all your knockdowns, if you've been keeping tab, have most of them come from body shots, Arch? Yeah, majority of them, yeah. Majority of them, uh, most of all, to be, uh, to be fair uh, with you, yeah, most of my um, shots have been from the body shot. And to be honest with you, I did look for it a couple more times after the fight. But like I say, my hands were playing up a little bit that night, and uh, I caught an elbow once or twice, and then it really, and that kind of put me off right, putting the left hook in to the body again. Yeah, no, like like you say, you landed with it a few a few times. Uh, the hands were hurting, but nah, I mean credit, like I say to McCory as well. He he really did tough it out. Um, what is the plan, Archie, going forward now? Do you know when your next fighting at all? Do you know Do you know who it may be against at all at this stage? Still, obviously, really early. Do you know what? It's a bit early, um, and to tell you the truth, I'm not too sure what what my plans are. Um, I went back into the gym today, so I had Sunday and Monday off, and I got myself back in the gym today, uh, just doing light work. I can't do no punching at the minute because of my hands. But once I'm all sorted there, then yeah, I look to get back in it, uh, into the ring as soon as possible, really. And also, since we last spoke, Arch, the WBO world title has changed hands. It's now with Jamel Herring. You're ranked, obviously, in the top 10 with a WBO. Is that the fight that you want more than any other fight? Because, obviously, there's that question you've got to ask yourself, Arch. Like, you know, you haven't boxed all of the names in, in Britain. There's still big fights for you domestically. You don't really want to make the jump too early if you're not ready for it. Or there's other people that like to say, no, I want to just go for it. And, you know, the British level kind of scene is there for me. You know, should I not be successful? What's your thoughts on the whole thing? What, what do you want? Well, that's the thing. People can say, oh, I'm not ready. Um, to tell you the truth, I've had. So, like I say, in October, I boxed, obviously, uh, Leon Woodstock, who was the reigning champion. And I defended against uh, Jordan McQuarrie, who I think, I think he beats uh, Leon Woodstock. And I think... Listen, if if Sam Barn was 10% less that night, then Jordan McQuarrie would have won. And like you say, Jordan McQuarrie has sworn that he it was a late notice to jump in against Sam Bowen. Um, so he, he was definitely not running on 100%. So it'll be interesting to see how that fight goes if they ever had the, ever had the rematch. Um, because you could be looking at a different outcome there. But... Um, so yeah, if people could say, oh, maybe Archie Sharp's not ready for like the likes of Jamel Heron, but Styles make fights. Um, like I say, Leon Woodstock and Jordan McQuarrie are both come forward fighters. Very, they're, they're strong, they're tough, they come forward. Um, not saying Jamel Heron's not tough, but he's he's um he's a very good technician. Uh, Lamont Rocks Jr., a very good te- uh, technician. At that world stage, there's a lot of good technicians, and that is what I am, a very very good technician. So chuck me in the world mix. And I will show a lot of um, supporters and fans and all the boxing people how good Archie Sharp is. At the end of the day, all the people who come forward, Russia, uh, Russia um, fighters, they can just make it look a bit messy and, and, and tied up. But when you get two um, very good technicians together, you, you'll see a very good boxing match. And I believe that I am there at that level um, regarding, like I say, being a top technician. 
in the sport. Yeah, very well said. And, uh, you know, again, should that fight not happen in the near future, uh, the two men that I'm guessing most people are talking about, you know, domestically with yourself, obviously Zelfa Barrett getting a great win against Leon Woodstock the other week, and uh, Sam Bowen, I think he's tied up for the minute with with Anthony Kakachi. I believe that fight's supposed to happen at some point in the near future. Um, what's your take on that fight, by the way? Yeah, of course. Cool. So, uh, do you know what? I see um, his manager. His manager's a bit of a fool, to be honest with you. But uh, I see him the night, and he wants to kiss ass and try and be all friendly and that. And then after I get out the ring, he gets on the social media like a keyboard warrior and has a lot to say, thinking Sambine will beat me on 70%. He'll be too strong. But like I say, your man Jordan McQuarrie just got out the ring, who has boxed myself and has boxed... Um, Sam Bowen, he's got no reason to lie, and his words were like a punch, and I'm stronger than, uh, than Sam Bowen. Um, listen, like I said, I'm not making no excuses because of my hands, but my hands um, made me box a different fight due to my hands being in pain. So, yeah, so the Sam Bowen fight, listen, is a fight that we're definitely interested, whether it happen this year or early next year, I'm not too sure, because like you say, he's tied up with Kakachi. I think Sam Bowen is a very good champion. Um, he's got a very good pedigree. He beat the likes of Joe Cordino and that back in the day in the amateur game. He's a very good kid. Uh, but I, like I say, Styles make fight and Sam Bowen uh, is a pressure forward fighter and that suits me all day long. The more he comes, the more I'm allowed. That uh, allows me to hit him. But to be honest with you, what does interest me a lot more, obviously, is the WBO world title. And I want to be able to have the opportunity, like I said, I've had two tough fights with two fighters who come forward. I like to have the opportunity to jump in the ring with a very good technician and high-level opponent like your Jamel Herring uh, and things like that, even like the likes of Tevin Farmer, because I will be able to show a, a completely different side and how good my ability really is. I want to get your take there on, you know, if that fight does happen between Kakachi and Bowen. How do you see that one playing out, Arch? Do you know what? Kakachi has got all the tools to beat Sam Bowen. Um, if you remember rightly, obviously, I know Martin will beat him on the end of the decision, but he still gives Martin Ward a half fight. And I'm telling you now, Martin Ward is a very good kid. I've, boxed, I've sparred Martin Ward plenty of times, done a lot of rounds with Martin Ward. Um, and he's a very, very good kid. But um, the only thing with Kakachi, what doesn't do him the favours, is, uh, is that he's not very active. He hasn't been very active at the minute, so I think that's the only that's the only downside to that fight. Um, so yeah, but listen, it'll be a good fight. Be interesting to see what happens. Um, and like I say, the winner of that, I'd like to have the winner of that at some point uh, late this year, early next year. And coming down to the last couple of questions, Arch, this weekend a brilliant, brilliant fight. It's going to be on. Uh, it's going to be on pay per view. Um, not sure you're going to be tuning in that. That, that late at night slash early morning but I think it's about twelve ninety nine something like that so it's not the usual 20 quid but anyway Pacquiao versus Furman being the main event over there um, in the States how do you see that one unfolding? Yeah no, no I look forward to watching that I don't know if I what time is it on at 4 in the morning something is it? Like that. that sort of time 5 so I doubt I'll be watching it live I'll definitely be record, uh, buying it and recording it and watching it when I wake up but um, you know what, what a great fight that's going to be the only thing it does mean is Pacquiao starting to get over do you know what I mean is he at his end um, I'm not too sure this fight will kind of tell that but I can see Manny Pacquiao and him going I can't see him being a stoppage to be honest with you I think he will go to points um, I've seen a few clips of Manny Pacquiao and he's sharp he throws a lot of 
a lot of punches uh, and a lot of combinations. So I'm just going to go with Manny Pacquiao because of his work rate. Yeah, I think uh, I think the smart money is on Pacquiao. Like I say, I'm going with with Pacquiao points on that one. And finally, Arch, just before I let you go, any closing words at all to our listeners before we let you go? Yeah, so like I say, thanks for the support. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of messages since Saturday, um, and I'm very grateful and blessed and humbled to have these messages, and I much appreciate it. And my team as well. Without my team, I wouldn't be in the position where I'm at now. Uh, my mind coach. Just all my sponsors, uh, friends, family, everyone. My trainer, obviously, Richard Sawyer, uh, manager, and, and Frank for getting me on these shows and allowing me to be able to get in the ring and do what I do and put a show on for the fans. Absolutely. Listen, Archie, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for your time. Congrats once again on your win, and we'll catch up sometime soon. And thanks for having me on, and I much appreciate it. And I look forward to speaking to you soon. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news. Even though we're eyesless, the news must be discussed. It, uh, it has to start, I believe, with Kovalev against Anthony Yard. It's finally been announced. It's set for August 24th in Russia in Chelyabinsk, I think it is the, 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 the place. Obviously, uh, Yard, a big underdog in that one, but we'd all love to see him do the job. We all would. Um, not really too much else to add to that. I mean, Kovalev is not over the hill for those that say he's over the I mean, he's he's not over the hill in terms of he's... He's, you know, he's ready to retire. He's, he's done. No way. He may not be in his prime, but he's still a force to be reckoned with, and he showed that in his last fight. So, for anyone that's saying this is an easy fight for Yard or anything delusional like that, this is Yard's hardest fight. He's never even boxed like 10% of the fighter that Kovalev is, and Kovalev is expected to knock Yard out brutally, and that is what most people think will happen. Obviously, we hope that doesn't happen. We love Yard on this show. Um, also, other news, other news, other news. We have a fight that's been made with top rank August 17th. Jose Benavidez, obviously the guy that lost his O to Terence Crawford. Um, not a bad fighter. He's the brother of David Benavidez. He takes on Louis Calazzo. Obviously, Calazzo is a fighter that's over the hill. I'm expecting Benavidez to, to probably look good there. But then again, Calazzo, he's, you know, that Southpaw style. He's crafty. He's, he's got so much experience. He manages to pull one out the bag here and there. So, could be interesting, but I'd be shocked if, if Benavidez doesn't impress and win dominantly, if not get the stoppage. And um, Emmanuel Navarrete defends his WBO world title. Obviously, the guy that beat uh, that beat uh, Isaac Dogbe in back-to-back fights. He defends against against Francisco de Vaca. Again, that one, August 17th in California. Um, and there's 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 probably one other piece of news and that is the fact that the WBC interim world titles on the line now it's been confirmed for this Saturday's Dillian White versus um versus Oscar Rivas fight so uh just adds a little cherry on top of the cake if you like there but that's everything of the news we're now going to move on to the preview part of the show we're going to start later today at the fantasy springs casino in indio california usa a golden boy show this one jason quigley friend of the show 16 and 0 he's in a 10 rounder against turiano johnson who is 20 and 2 with one draw obviously turiano johnson a decent fighter this is another kind of step in the right direction for a guy like quigley who's got a lot of promise again you know, he's one of those guys that we think he's good enough to win a world title, but he just isn't really having those fights where 
you know, he's fighting fringe world-level guys. I think Teriano Johnson's a step in the right direction, but not necessarily fringe world-level, I don't think. Um, I know his only losses came to Sergei Derevyanchenko in the 12th and final round. He got stopped, and obviously he got stopped in the 10th and final round by Curtis Stevens. So he only ever gets stopped in the last round. So if Quigley can make a statement and get him out of there early, then obviously it ticks another box. I just want to see him moved up. I think there's many different guys that you know he could beat that are above this kind of level. I know there's no real rush with him, but there kind of is because he's he's been a little bit start-stop. You know, obviously he was based in the US. Now he's based in Sheffield with Dominic Ingle. So it's been a little bit weird kind of thing. Um, I should mention that in Turiano Johnson's last fight, he got a split draw over eight rounds against Fernando Castaneda. That's the guy that, you know, Jose Burton knocked out, Frank Buglioni knocked out. So that kind of tells a bit of a story there, unfortunately, for him. Um, perhaps he's, he's, his best days are behind him now, Johnson. Uh, moving out now to the Magna Centre in Rotherham, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. We should mention over here, friend of the show, Gavin McDonald, two-time world title challenger. 20-2 and two with two draws. Um, he takes on journeyman Jamie Spate, 15-35. and 35. Moving out now stateside to the MGM National Harbour in Oxon Hill, Maryland. A uh, couple fights to mention on this bill. Starting with the with the main event, friend of the show, Tiafimo Lopez, 13-0. He takes on Masayoshi Nakatani, a guy with a record of 18-0, 12 by knockout. I mean, we talked about this guy before, 30 years of age. You look down his record, there's nothing that really stands out to you. You know, he's not boxed anyone, really, again, on that level. This is his kind of world title fight. But the interesting thing is he's 5'11 and a half, and he's a lightweight. So, obviously, very, very big lightweight. Um, so, he, you know, he's, he's, he's got a bit of an advantage in the height department there. Um, he's got a 71-inch reach. Tiafimo Lopez has a 68 and a half. So... Little bit of advantage there, but I don't think it's going to play any kind of factor in the fight. I think Tiafimo Lopez is just way too good, really, for Nakatani. I think he's going to look good, and he's probably going to, you know, try and make a statement and then, and then try and push for that world title fight with Richard Comey or whatever. See if they can do something there. Also on the bill, I didn't even notice this until just now. Dusty Hernandez Harrison, thirty-two and O with one draw, friend of the show. Uh, he was out the ring for over two and a half years, and then he's come back with two back-to-back knockouts, one in March, one in April. Now he's back against Juan De Angel, who's 21-11 and 11 with one draw. Just having a little look at him, he's been in there with a couple of prospects like Chordow Booker. Um, he went the distance with him. He went the distance with Austin Trout as well. He went the distance with Caleb Plant. He got stopped by uh, by Kana Islam. He got stopped by Gilberto Ramirez. He got stopped by... Uh, by Antoine Douglas and Emmanuel um, Alim. Uh, so yeah, a guy that's really been around the block, Juan de Hangel. I, I usually know about these guys that have fought so many contenders like that, so apologies there. I'm disappointed in myself there. And also, heavyweight prospect, undefeated, 15-0, friend of the show, Cassius Cheney, 15-0, like I say. He takes on Joel Caudle, who's 8-2 and two with two draws. Caudle coming off a loss, actually, a majority decision loss over six rounds in his last fight, you'd expect. Uh, Cassius Cheney to impress. Another guy that just seems to be picking up these wins, but really flying under the radar. I want to see him in some big fights down the line. Still has lots and lots of potential there. Uh, moving out now to the Palais des Sports in Marseille. Just really one fight I want to mention. I, again, it's kind of gone under the radar here. If someone knows why this is happening, then please do let us know at 
at, at Boxhard Podcast on Twitter. So remember, the WBA belt holder at 154 was uh, was Brian Castano, okay? So he won the belt, he defended it once or twice, he took on Eris Landy Lara, they fought to a draw. Now, I'm not quite sure what's happened with Castano, he hasn't boxed since the Lara fight, but for whatever reason, he has vacated the title, or they've stripped him or something, and I believe it's on the line for this fight here. Michel Soro of France, 33-2 and with one draw. And he takes on Magomed Kurbanov, who's 17-0, and a Russian. He's only 23 years of age. Um, not quite sure what either man has really done to be boxing for that title. But more importantly, what's happened with Castano? I really don't understand what's happened there. A good fighter, very good fighter, very good amateur. Beat Errol Spence in the amateurs. Had loads and loads of promise. You know, he gave Lara a great fight. Lara gave him a great fight, I should say, which he does to many of the top guys at 154. What's happened there? If anyone knows, please let me know. Moving out now to the Brentwood Centre in Brentwood, Essex, United Kingdom. This is a great fight card once again, so I take my hat off to MTK and Lee Eaton there. Uh, we're going to start with Harlem Eubank, 8-0. He's in a six-rounder against Michael Carrero, who's 13-50 and with six draws. We've got Thomas Patrick Ward, 26-0. and I don't know if he's had a fight since his win out in the States where he really impressed on an undercard. Was it the undercard of Spence Garcia or something like that? He was on a big undercard, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, you know, he's a guy that's just a brilliant fighter. Loads and loads and loads of potential. But he hasn't been with a big-time promoter, so I'm happy to see him on this bill here because we do need a bit more exposure going his way. He's a quality fighter. He's done things the very, very hard way. Um, so yeah, he he fights here, like I say, and he takes on Brian Marrera, who's ten and twelve with one draw. A guy that's kind of been in and around the British circuit for quite a while. Shaquille Day, twelve and zero. This is a great fight. He takes on Louis Adolphe, ten and one. Remember, the one loss was actually by disqualification on the Groves Cox undercard. So he's a good fighter, Adolphe. Very flashy. That one's for the vacant Southern Area welterweight title. And this fight here. In fact, I'm going to come to it last. I'm going to come to it last. Michael McKinson's also on the bill, 16-0, and a fighter I really think's, uh, you know, got so much potential, Michael McKinson. I saw him beat, uh, who did he beat? He beat um, Sammy, uh, Sammy McNess, and he looked brilliant at the York Hall. He takes on Evgeny Pavko, who's 18-2 and with one draw. Um, again, Pavko, I don't know too much about him. I'm not sure he's been over here before. He's got a couple of losses, like I say. Um, he's been stopped in one of them and, and gone the distance in the other one. McKinson, I really believe in him. This is for the vacant WBO European welterweight title. But the most attractive fight on the card, and they say ladies first, but I've actually gone men first here. I'm leaving the ladies till last, and it's certainly uh, certainly not least here at all because I really like this fight. We've got Chantel Cameron, a lady that I'm a huge fan of. Uh, she puts, I think it's her title, the WBC Silver Female Lightweight title. She puts it on the line over 10 two-minute rounds against Anisha Bashil, who's 8-5. and five. Now, the story about Bashil, she lost five fights in a row. Her very first fight, she lost her debut. Then she lost again, 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 again. Ever since losing five times in a row, she's managed to get eight wins in a row, all by knockout, including her last fight. It was actually over here last year, because she's from Malawi. Um, she came over and fought for the Commonwealth belt against Sam Smith, um, who was 8-1, and one, and she knocked Sam Smith out in the first round. So this girl here, Anisha Bashil, um, 
she's like 22 years of age or 21 years of age she can completely bang so believe me it's it, it really could be quite interesting i don't want to say she's going to knock chantel out because i've heard chantel spars hard with her guys and apparently she's got a chin like like a brick but um you know i wouldn't be surprised if if she got hurt or buzzed at least once or twice because you know she likes to kind of have a bit of a tear up Chantel Cameron whereas you know Katie Taylor likes to box Chantel Cameron's very very aggressive and this will kind of go hand in hand with Bashil's style because Bashil is an out and out banger now I don't know what she was like in her first five fights but now she will be so pleased with that and it will be a war so that could actually steal the show ladies and gentlemen that's what I'm trying to say to you uh, that's it though for the Brentwood Center in Essex moving now to the O2 Arena in Greenwich London, United Kingdom. Let's start with the undercard over here. Uh, Dave Allen, seventeen and four with two draws. He takes on David Price, twenty-four and six. David Price, obviously coming off the win over Cash Alley, and uh, that was a bit crazy that fight, obviously. And Dave Allen coming off probably the best win of his career, certainly the best win of his career against Lucas Brown. Um, so yeah, it could be interesting. It's a twelve-round fight, which I think is. Uh, is crazy, because at first I think they were talking about it being like a 10-round or something like that, maybe an 8-rounder, and to see it go for 12 rounds, no belt on the line apparently, it doesn't really make much sense as to why it's a 12-rounder, but all of that being said, uh, I don't even see it going the distance, it's one of those fights where both men uh, will, will be swinging it out, I just got a feeling that Look at Tom Little and look at Dave Allen, I think they're kind of the same sort of level, and I think that... David Price didn't really, you know, he didn't really get hit with any, uh, you know, with anything telling from Tom Little. You know, the pressure seemed to not really get to him. He's not fighting a big, scary guy that's talking, you know, talking loads before the fight, anything like that. It's Dave Allen. It's hard to kind of be frightened of Dave Allen because he's such a nice guy and stuff like that. I don't think the occasion's going to get to David Price is what I'm saying. And I think that that is going to probably be the downfall for Dave Allen. So I'm going with quite a shocking uh, quite a shocking prediction. I may I may be completely wrong, but I've got a feeling that David Price is going to knock Dave Allen out. I think Dave Allen's been in a few too many wars, even though he looked good against Lucas Brown, uh, you know, in terms of getting the win, how he did. He, he lost the first couple rounds or whatever. Um, I just think David Price, you know, even though he hasn't fulfilled his potential, no way, I think he's a bit too good for Dave Allen. And I just think the size difference is going to be huge. I think uh, David Price is going to box smart. I think he's going to be popping out the jab, and I think there's going to be a few big right hands after those jabs and I just don't see Dave Allen getting round the guard but obviously if the fight goes past five rounds or something like that then I think Dave Allen's got the potential to take over because he's a tough guy he's tougher than Price but he just doesn't hit hard and all the size uh, and advantage and power all that kind of stuff the athleticism probably the uh the you know the experience is all in the favor of David Price so i think it's it's a fight for David Price to win and get his name back up there to be honest um but obviously if Dave Allen wins then it's a huge win once again and it's two brilliant wins back to back so i really like the fight and it is interesting because Dave Allen seems to just somehow keep getting these these fights and he keeps getting me interested you know he keeps getting the fans interested he's had a few decent fights back to back now Dave Allen they've they've all been exciting and this one could 
potentially be the the best of the lot, you know. So should be interesting, but obviously the loser has to retire, I think, especially if it's David Price. If he loses to Dave Allen by knockout, it's got to be time surely to hang up the gloves. May the best man win. Uh, Dave Allen's a friend of the show, so I'd like to see him win, but I just think that David Price is gonna is gonna look good here. I, I really do. I think he's gonna win. Um the predictions, though, from yourselves and Ayaz. Ayaz has gone with Dave Allen by knockout. You guys have also gone with Dave Allen by knockout, so it should be interesting there. It's good to have a bit of a divide. Uh, also on the bill, another great fight. Uh, Charlie Duffield, 7-1. and one. This one's for the vacant Southern Area light heavyweight title. He takes on the undefeated 8-0 and o Dan Aziz. That should be decent there. Another great fight. Richard Riatporn, 9-0. and o. This one's for the WBA Intercontinental Cruiserweight title. In the other corner, identical record, 9-0, Chris Billum-Smith. Chris Billum-Smith's a guy that everyone's told me he's been, uh, you know, having great spars with, with top fighters. You know, he's, he's obviously with Shane McGuigan. I like the way that those two are working together. Everything seems to be flowing great. Um, you know, it's good to see a Coley, by the way, over there. So you'd imagine a Coley and Billum-Smith have had some fantastic spars over the, over the past couple months and stuff. And, you know, what better way, really, to get ready against someone like Riakpor, who is, um, well, you know, just kind of flying through at the minute. His, his brilliant win over Tommy McCarthy, in my eyes, made him a top contender in Britain. I just think that this is going to be one of those fights that could steal the show. This is going to be one of those fights where we can tell a lot about both guys. Chris Billum-Smith, he needs the step up. This is his, you know, his, his uh, toughest opponent on paper. Uh, Tommy McCarthy, arguably... He's up there as well, really. I like I like what Riakpor did with him, so you'd probably have to favour Riakpor, but made a best man win there. Uh, Lawrence Sokoli himself is on the bill, 12-0. He defends his WBA Continental Cruiserweight title against Mariano Gudino, who's 13-2. Let me have a look at this guy here, because I've never heard of him. Uh, he's got the two losses, one to Joel Jekko and one to Dario Balmaceda. Oh, gosh. Yeah, this is an easy win for Lawrence Coley. It's a bit frustrating, you know. Uh, all this talk about, you know, being being able to fight Lebedev, stuff like that, and then you fight someone like this, you know, there's there's surely other names that, that you know, would have been interested in the fight. Surely. There's been, you know, there's 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 obviously the fight. Uh, who did he have lined up again for his title defense? Um, and then they pulled out. Jack Massey, that was who it was. And obviously, it's not his fault that that fight fell out of bed. But then we heard he'd still be defending his title, um, his, his British title, on this card here. But obviously, he's not doing that. So, a bit of a kind of keep busy fight, really. It's not one I'm looking forward to. And also, his opponent hasn't had much notice. Also on the bill, Derek Chisora, 30-9. He's in a 10-rounder against Arta Spilka, 22-3. and three. That should be quite interesting. Uh, even though I just think Spilka, he didn't look good against Kalnaki. Not many people do, by the way. He's, uh, he's he's winning really nicely lately. I just think that Spilka will end up um, getting the pressure put on him even pretty early. I can see Chisora getting a knockout win there, to be honest, even though I'd like to see Spilka do it. He's a friend of the show. We haven't had Chisora on before. I'm going with Chisora by knockout. The listeners are going with Chisora by knockout, and Ayaz is going with Chisora on points. Uh, also on the bill, we have, 
No, we've flown through everything almost, apart from the main event. Dillian White, 25-1. and one. Like I say, it's for the interim WBC World Heavyweight title against Oscar Rivas, 26-0. and 0. I've been talking about Rivas over the years, you know. He, he was a good amateur. Um, he fought some good people in the amateurs. Fought Michael Hunter in the amateurs. Um, who else did he fight in the amateurs? He fought quite a few guys. He fought like Glazkov, the guy that obviously got forced to retire after his injury against Charles Martin for the IBF title. Um, he's been in there with Kubrat Pulev. He beat him. He fought Camarelli also in the amateurs. Um, so a solid fighter, you know, obviously born in Colombia, based in Canada. It's a weird one. He's an Olympian and stuff like that. Coming off a good win over Bryant Jennings in his last fight. I do want to clear something up. He was ahead on two of the scorecards against Jennings. And Jennings was ahead on one of the scorecards. Because a lot of people were saying that Jennings was up at the time of the stoppage. Completely wrong. Completely wrong. Uh, The fight before that, he actually took the O of Fabio Maldonado. But he went the distance with him. Whereas Michael Hunter did it in about two or three rounds. Uh, but yeah, he's a solid, solid contender, this guy, he's a tough guy, I think he's pretty fit as well for him to get that stoppage over Jennings late on, so um, I can't see him going anywhere, to be honest with you, I think that Dillian White obviously can't afford to underestimate him, that seems to be a pattern now in Dillian White's fights, he can't underestimate anyone, because he's right up there, um, whatever he wants to do, you know, a big fight or whatever, he's turned down a few opportunities, I don't know what he really wants to do, he wants to be mandatory or whatever, he wants to fight Wilder, um, you know, so so yeah, all these fights up in it, uh, potential banana skins, so he needs to not slip up here, but it's a tough fight, I reckon, white on points, the listeners are going with white by knockout, and Ayaz is going white by knockout, should be very interesting there, I want to see if uh, Oscar Rivas has ever been down, I've got a feeling that he may have, let's have a little look here, as a pro, no, he's never been down. So it'd be, it'd be very interesting here. 26-0 with 18 knockouts is Rivas. Uh, moving out now to the Arena Gardens in Detroit, Michigan. One fight to mention over here. Former world champion, friend of the show. He actually shares the same birthday as me. Cornelius Bundridge, 36-6, the K-9. Uh, he's back in an eight-rounder. No opponent just yet. Moving out now to the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, USA. Couple fights to mention. Firstly, Effia Jagba. The Nigerian heavyweight that seems to be blowing everyone away. If you haven't seen him fight, you are really, really missing out. He is built like a brick bleep house. And um, he's got so much potential. Again, he's only 25 years of age. He actually puts his undefeated record on the line 10-0 and against 11-0. and Ali Demirezen, who's got 11 wins, like I say, 10 by knockout. Um, he actually went to the Olympics in 2016. He lost, though, to Filip Hergovic, so no shame in that. He's got a decent amateur pedigree, a Turkish fighter, 29 years of age. Hasn't really got many names on the resume. The only one that really stands out is Michael Sprott. He knocked him out in five rounds back in 2017. Um, our very own Michael Sprott, so... Uh, Yeah, that's really all I can say. So that should be interesting there between two undefeated prospects. Also on the bill, we get to see Caleb Plant, friend of the show, 18-0. He defends his IBF super middleweight world title against the undefeated Mike Lee, 21-0. I actually do like Mike Lee, but um, I just think he's in too deep here, really. I think Caleb Plant has got such, such, such brilliant boxing skills. I love his judge of distance. He knows when to be aggressive and when to not be aggressive. 
he's he's quite a complete fighter, um, Caleb Plant. He's one of those guys that I feel does the basics really well. Perhaps nothing spectacular, but he does the basics really well, and he's a technician, and I think a lot of people are going to struggle to work him out, really. I'd like to see him take on someone like... Uh, you know, someone like a Billy Joe Saunders. That's a brilliant, brilliant fight. It might be quite boring, actually, but it'd be a real chess match. Uh, also on the bill, Sergei Lipinets, friend of the show, 15-1, and one, takes on another friend of the show, John Molina Jr. Like I said to John Molina Jr. a couple weeks back, this one... This one has all the makings of what could be a complete out-and-out war. Lipinets likes to keep coming forward. John Molina Jr. only knows one way to fight, and that's coming forward as well. So that could be an absolutely brilliant fight, potentially. I'm even going to say this. Potentially a fight-of-the-year style fight, that one. The clash of styles there. Uh, The undefeated WBC silver bantamweight champion, Luis Neary, former world champion, 29-0. He takes on Juan Carlos Payano, 21-2. Um... It's another good fight, in my opinion, uh, because Lewis Neary's been wiping out most people, really, at bantamweight. Um, I'd like to actually see Neary take on Inoue. I think that'd be a good fight. Uh, but yeah, you know, he's he's obviously a very good fighter, uh, Lewis Neary. If he's, if he's a clean fighter, that's a, another question mark over him, obviously, uh, after a couple incidents in Japan, if I'm not mistaken. But a good fight against him and Payano, but again... Look what Inoue did to Payano. I mean, you can't really better that. Uh, also on the bill, your Dennis Ugas, 23-4, and four, takes on the undefeated friend of the show, Omar Figueroa, 28-0 and 0, with one draw. We wish Figueroa all the very best there. That is going to be a very tough fight, by the way. A lot of people think Ugas will win that one. Um... I've spoken to a few people that think Ugas will win that. I hope that they're wrong because I love Omar Figueroa. And a few things he said in the, in the interview last week, and they're just real things where he's saying, I was injured, but I had to fight because I needed to you know, to feed my kids and, and to put food on the table. It's his only income. And I just really like Omar Figueroa. He's a real character. Um, also on the bill, it's a star-studded bill. It really, really is. I hope that they show all of this on the box office over here. Um, obviously, topping the bill, Keith Furman, 29-0. and 0. He takes on Manny Pacquiao, 61-7 and 7 with two draws. This is going to be Manny's 71st fight. Obviously, it's for Keith Furman's WBA Super World welterweight title. Obviously, Manny Pacquiao's got the regular version, and Furman has got the Super title so it's uh it's it's the regular champion versus super champion and hopefully this is a good opportunity for the wba to just throw away their their regular title there's no need just liquidate it these two guys are getting it on um so yeah made a best man win in that one i i i'm gonna go with pacquiao points uh the listeners are going with pacquiao knockout which i think is a tall task and Iaz is going with pacquiao points like me the only problem is obviously manny pacquiao's only had the one the one knockout really against Matisse in in many, many years. And uh, I just think that against Furman, and Furman hasn't really been knocking people out of late either, but I just I just can't see Furman being being uh, being being knocked out. You know what I mean? He's he was in deep water last time out. He came off a huge layoff and and, uh, and had that fight. I can't remember who it was against now, but anyway, um Jose Cito Lopez, that was right. So that was a shaky kind of fight. And based on that, of course, it makes it very interesting because Manny Pacquiao, even though he's 40 years of age, he's been looking really good in his last few fights, in my opinion. But I just think that Manny Pacquiao, with his punch output, it's still there. Um, I think there's going to be a few interesting spells in the fight. I think 
perhaps Keith Thurman will end up being hurt at one point. I mean, he needs to be a lot sharper because if he fights like he did in the Lopez fight, then I could actually see Manny Pacquiao putting him away. But I just think that Pacquiao is going to, you know, he's going to be boxing, throwing lots and lots of shots. I think Keith Thurman's going to be trying to draw Pacquiao onto the right hand. Um, Pacquiao's got a good chin, do you know what I mean? Pacquiao doesn't really get outpointed, if we're being honest. I mean, that hasn't happened for a long, long time. We've got to go back to, I mean, did he really lose the Bradley fight? Not quite sure he did. You've got to really go back to one of the... Uh, one of the Juan Manuel Marquez fights, you know what I mean? And obviously Marquez was a sublime fighter, especially when he uh, when he injected himself and started drinking his own urine. Um, yeah, I just don't see Keith Furman pulling off a win. I can't see him stopping Pacquiao. I can't see him outpointing him. I can just see Manny Pacquiao winning the fight. We all agree on that, but of course the listeners, you're, you're going with a knockout. That will be a real statement. It has to be. If Pacquiao gets the knockout over Furman, then, <laughs> boy, I mean, Wow. That's that's an incredible win. Again, I, I'm a big Furman fan. He's got the best 147 wins in recent years. To beat Danny Garcia and take his O. To beat Sean Porter. And these two, he fought them back to back. He beat both of them. Um, both obviously on points. But he outclassed them both in, in both of those fights. And they bring very different styles. And I've been a big believer in Keith Furman. Since he stopped knocking people out, he's really improved on his boxing skills. And I like watching him. He's exciting for me. Um, he really is, and I don't think you know. I don't think he'll he'll try and swerve Errol Spence or Terence Crawford. I just think he wanted a couple of fights, and if he wins this, then I'm excited for those fights. I really am because he can really fight firm. And a lot of people are really jumped off that bandwagon because of the time out of the ring. I understand that, but nah, man, he's he's won everything. You know, he's took on some tough guys, and this is his chance to move to thirty and oh here. But that's about everything for the preview part of the show. That is about everything. So just before we wrap up part two. Of of course, the last thing to do is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former heavyweight world title challenger himself. It is, of course, Mr. Gerald Washington. Gerald, welcome back on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's my pleasure, Gerald. So we last spoke back in January. Uh, it was just before the Adam Kalnaki fight. I think uh, I think at the time we both agreed that obviously in that fight you'd need to keep it long. You'd need to frustrate him behind a solid jab, which is what you really can do when you want to. Um, the judge of distance obviously would play a crucial part in the fight, but unfortunately... You were unable to really get going. I know that this is kind of a thing of the past now. Um, you've just come, you're just coming off a win, but just give me a word on that, uh, Gerald. Seeing as we haven't spoken, yeah, since yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the game plan that we worked on was actually uh, to, to fight them inside. You know, they, we saw that they had trouble on the inside with Charles Martin, and we decided to go with with an inside approach, or a closer, you know, a closer approach. But you know, it was something that that wasn't we're, you know, very familiar to me. I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm coming in late to the game and I'm learning on the job, you know. So it's, uh, you know, I had four amateur fights. I went to the military and I went to play college football, and then, and then I came back to boxing and and I had four amateur fights and I turned pro. So I don't have a extensive amateur career. Everything that I do has been like learning on the job. So all these fights, every fight that I'm in is like a lesson to me. And if it's not one thing, it's another. And it's uh you know and, and the thing about me is I, I'll I'll accept any challenge I fight when they say hey will you fight this guy my answer is always yes you know um and, and it's and it's up to me to, to to come up with a good solid game plan it's just that the game plan that we came up with it it wasn't uh it, it wasn't the one for me so 
So I mean, things happen, but I, you know, I had to, I had to pull myself together and then and, and and try again and try again. That's the, that's how, that's how you know you, you correct the mistakes. You got to keep going. If it, you know, I could have sat there and lied in that and and laid down and say, uh, you know, this, this is too tough, but. You know, I, I pulled it, pulled myself together, and got back in the mix. Yeah, you absolutely did. And after losing that fight, I mean, a lot of people, I feel, began to write you off. I mean, people forget you have only yeah. lost to undefeated fighters. You've only lost to world level fighters. But would you agree, though, yeah. Gerald, going into this fight just here against Robert Hellenius, it was probably a must-win fight for you, or not? It definitely was. It definitely was. You know, I, I didn't. The, the Jarrell Miller uh, fell in the steroid test. You know, I didn't. It didn't sit well with me because I knew that he failed drug tests before, and I and I had suspicions about him. And it was like, and now that it, it it's come to pass, it like it really doesn't sit well with me. So now from now on, I, you know, I, I ask that you know they put the the drug testing into the uh, into my contract. And uh, right after the fight, you know, I was happy to have him come and draw my blood. And, and take my urine sample and do the same with my opponent, you know, just to, uh, you know, just, just to, just to have that peace of mind. You know, I don't mind losing a fight, you know, fair and square, but I don't, when, when it's, uh, when it's drugs involved, you know, performance enhancing drugs involved, it's like, it takes the, it takes the character out of the sport, you know, and I, and I try to be a gentleman and carry myself as a champion and walk and walk proud. And, and that, that just changes the sport. And I, and I have, it's just, it's, I have a bad place for it. Yeah, for sure for sure and talking of the fight it took place on Saturday night in Minnesota uh, the stoppage came for you in round 8 of a scheduled 10 round fight obviously two judges had Hellenius up by one point one judge one judge I should say had you up by one point at the time of the stoppage uh, talk us through the fight if you can Big G they didn't show it over here yeah you know it was my, my you know I came out I came out I, I thought that I, I watched the fight again and, and, and it was my game plan to do to do as I did you know, just to come out and just work the body, stab him to the body, because he was he was very like long and awkward, and he knew how to keep his head back out of trouble. So, you know, I, I just targeted the body. I didn't even worry about anything else, but just jabbing him to the body, right hand to the body, and setting up shots to the body. And I knew that if I continued to work that, that you know, it would bring his, you know, he'd push his body back and bring the head forward into position where I could strike it. And you know, I, I kind of gave him, and uh, I told myself after the fifth round, I'm gonna give him. You know, I'm still, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a slow, I'm a slow myself down, I'm slow my pace down a little bit, and just, and, and just gather myself, and then, uh, and then eight, nine, and ten, I, I said I'm, I'm gonna go after him, and I ended up getting him an eight. Yeah, and like I said, that's a fantastic win. Um, Hellenius is one of those guys I feel that probably doesn't. He's probably underrated. He probably doesn't get the credit he deserves because he's a tough guy. And like I say, he took Dillian White the distance, so you've bettered Dillian White's win over him by getting him out of there. Um, obviously, yeah. it's, it's, it's very it's very fresh, but have you got any idea what's next for you, Gerald, in terms of when your next fight will perhaps be? No, I'm not I'm not quite certain, you know, but I'm just happy to, with this win. I'm happy to get the bad taste out of my mouth from the, from the fight with Kalnacki and just, you know, and to move forward because I was having to to train and, and just you know it, it's a it's a bad place I, yeah actually Anthony Joshua said something that really stuck with me he said never let winning go to your head and never let losing go to your heart you know but in this sport it's like you're only as good as your last fight and you have to uh and you really gotta you got this really shows you gotta really show some character you know what I mean and it, it's one thing to have 
everything. You've already made it. You already became world champion and do all of that. And, you know, and it, it's just like, but to like pull yourself together and pick yourself back up is like that. That's the real. That's the real fight. You know, everybody's trying to get close to you and cheer you up, but there's only one thing that's gonna fix the, that your problem, and that's to get back in the ring and to handle your business. And to and to get that win when I when the when the referee lifted my hands up and they called my name after the fight and just like I, I didn't even feel it right when I knocked him out you know when he stayed on the ground I felt it more so when when they, when they announced my name as the winner it, it just it just lifted that weight off of me and now it's gonna allow me to go back to the gym and just really go to work in peace now and I'm happy about that I'm pleased to hear you say that um, talking of Kaunaki Gerald if he were to fight Deontay Wilder which a lot of people believe that fight will happen at some point in the near future does Kaunaki give him yeah. trouble can he dethrone Wilder I, I, you know what like I, I wasn't expecting a fight like in, in my heart of, my heart of hearts I, I wasn't expecting to fight Kaunaki like that I didn't I, I was like I was like how come we're not going to box him you know what I mean like box him and let him get tired a little bit and then, then work the inside like why, why you know it was just like it, it, it wasn't. I was following instructions, and I, I just uh, that wasn't my fight. And I, and I, and I, and I do think that Wilder is a, a master at this. He knows how to keep his distance, and he knows how to keep his space. And he, um, and I think it'll be hard for Kanaki to get to him. You know what I mean? I think he'll, he'll. It, it's summertime here in LA, and and uh, all the beautiful people are coming out, and they're wearing their summer clothing, and it's it's a beautiful day here. In sunny California, but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that he, he he's very good at that, man. He's very good at keeping his distance, and and I, and, I, and he and he throws the fire. He throws like that shot that I threw at the end. He'll throw them all throughout the fight. You know what I mean? That's the difference between him and a lot of people. Like you know, I kind of, I kind of, I'm patient with mine. I kind of sit, you know, sit on my guy like Wilder man he 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 knows what he has and he possesses and he lets it go and it's like and more power to him you know what I mean but that's what makes him dangerous and Kanaki's a very hittable guy it's not like he's uh he's like moving his head out of the way he's just he's just there to to, to brawl now are you gonna run up are you gonna really run up on Deontay Wilder like that with the knockout type of knockout power that he possesses I don't know if that's a smart thing to do but I mean I give Kanaki all the credit in the world he did it to me I mean when AJ lost to Andrew Ruiz I was like, I can't, you know, people were like, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. I was like, you know, I, I, I said it at first, too. But then I said, you know what? Yes, I can. I said, that that happened to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That happened to me, man. I lost I lost to, to the shorter, chubby guy that doesn't look like he's in shape, but he's a natural-born fighter, man, and you, you got to give those guys credit. Yeah, credit to them. Thank you for answering that and giving me an update on the weather conditions and people's attire right now as well. <laughs> um, Gerald, there's a big fight over here this weekend that may uh, may pique your interest. Obviously, Dillian White against Oscar Rivas. Um, who do you believe that wins that one? A lot of guys over here are thinking that Dillian White wins this easy because they don't really know Rivas, but it's a tough fight. Yeah, I was supposed to fight uh, Rivas actually, oh. and you know I I know he's a he's a he's a he, he I know he likes to bang right he likes to bang but um I think that Dylan White is the the better boxer I think he's the better boxer and I think he has more tools and he has the skill set and he has he knows how to perform under the fire you know what I mean and I and I and I I, I I'll choose Dylan White for this fight but um I mean he. Dylan White was able to withstand uh, Derek Chisor's, you know, onslaught and, and 
protect himself pretty well and let him kind of wear down, and then he, he did what he needed to do at, when the time was right. So I kind of see the same type of thing happening here. And uh, I don't know, I think it's going to make it for a good fight. Yeah, we all certainly hope so, especially as this pay-per-view over here. <laughs> um... But I, but but I I never you know like I I can't put anything past anybody anymore like you know what I mean like everybody everybody has their skill set everybody has their set of uh, has their set of uh, you know skills that they use and that they fight with Deontay Wilder is not a guy that's gonna jab you all night long and do this and that no he kind of keeps his hand out there kind of pause you kind of keeps you at distance and he fires away you know he'll hit you with a hook or like some other little shots here and there but. He's not like an old school type of fighter where he's just like working a jab up and down, you know. Like he's not doing that, and it's like you, you gotta you gotta say. And everybody's like, he, he doesn't have the skill set or whatever. I was like, man, he knows what he, he knows how to use his skill set. He's not trying to be anybody else but himself, and that's what that's what people lack, and that's what people don't do. And I and I I was like, I got to be myself. You know what I mean? I, I I know I have to be myself. I can't be anybody else. I'm not. Don't try to make me like all your other fighters. I need to be me. I need to be Gerald. I need to do what works for me and what I feel comfortable with. Because when when the bell rings, everybody gets out. I'm in there by myself, and I gotta do and I gotta figure this guy out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, my final question for you, Gerald: uh, Pacquiao Furman, a brilliant fight. I really cannot wait to see it. Uh, also, this Saturday, talk to me about that one. I I I will be there. I will be Look there live. <laughs> and. Live and direct, right there in the M- at the MGM, right? Yes. I will be there, and then uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to that. You know, we got we got Pacquiao that you can never say no to. But I, I didn't, I never saw the fight with Jeff Horn, but it that that I I heard so many people talk bad about that fight. It just makes me, it makes me question like, can you really stand up to a guy like Keith Thurman? Because I I love Keith Thurman and the style. He knows how to take his shots. He knows how to move. He he knows how to defend well, but Manny Pacquiao, he's he's his own he's his own monster. You know what I mean? And uh, is he gonna be able to to have enough juice to 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 get Thurman out of there and do his thing? We shall see. <laughs> and uh, finally, Gerald, just before I let you go, any closing words at all, just for our listeners? I'm just happy. I'm just happy to be back in position. The guy that I fought was ranked number four in the world. I think it bumped me up to number fifteen in the world and number five in the U.S. And it just put me back in a uh, better position, you know, uh, mentally. And I'm just, I'm just ready to. I'm, I'm not, I'm not rushing anything. I'm gonna take my time and just look forward to just going back to the gym and working on, on my craft. You know, I was a little rusty. I was all in between coaches, in between, in between styles, and kind of like I was like all over the mess, all over the place. It was, you know, but it, I, I, I did what I needed to do to get through and to learn the lesson. And now I'm excited to get back in there. Like I said, I, I'll fight anybody. I just need, you know, the time to prepare. And uh, and I'm, I'm ready to go. We cannot wait to see your next outing, Gerald. We truly can't. It is always a pleasure catching up with you. You know that, my friend. Congrats once again on the win. Hey, and we'll no doubt speak soon. Thank you, sir. And please let them know that I, I, that that right hand that I let go at the end, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let that hand I'm gonna let that right hand go a whole lot more. I'm gonna focus on that, and that is a weapon that I have. And that you know I, I was more of a person that uses the jab more than anything. Like the jab was my favorite weapon, but now I have to I have to I have to tap into that right hand and see what I can do. 
Okay, and this wraps up episode 196 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I've done the entire show on my own. It has dragged quite a bit. I really do apologize if I've been boring. It's hard to talk to yourself for over an hour and, and you know, continue sounding interesting because, believe me, I do hate the sound of my own voice. So if you have stuck with me, you are fantastic. I'd like to thank our two guests on this week's podcast, the undefeated WBO European Super Featherweight Champion Archie Sharp and the former heavyweight world title challenger Gerald Washington. Remember, best of luck to everybody with the t-shirt competition that we did at the start of the show. Best of luck to everyone with the predictions for this weekend also. The league currently stands at myself in the lead with nine points. Iaz is second with seven points and you, the listeners, have six. There has been one piece of news developed while we've been recording the show and it's it's great news, really. Arta Baturbiev has signed the contract to unify his IBF light heavyweight world title against the WBC title holder Alexander Gvoz Uh, Obviously, both men are undefeated, and this fight will be unmissable. I think it's set for October 18th in the USA, but stay tuned for that, because official details haven't yet been released. That's just really what Baturbiev is saying, but hopefully the fight does happen. But that is about everything from me. Remember to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend. Thank you all for listening to this week's podcast, and I shall be back next week, probably on my own again. We'll see. I don't think Ayers will be back by then. But like I say, thank you all for listening, and take good care. Good care.